Hi. Before we get into the word, I just, uh, no, <laughs> don't have a joke. I'm just really overwhelmed by just the, the presence and the love of God. And before we get into the word, I just want to reiterate again, God loves you. Sometimes we think God loves that person or that person, and he overlooks me. But he doesn't. And he's just wanting you to know in your heart, he loves you today. Open your Bibles with me to um, Mark chapter 9. Thank you to Joe and the team in leading us and just exalting Jesus and enjoying his presence. That's, it's so important that we understand that's the context of reading his word is his presence and his love. It's his spirit that gives us revelation, who leads us into truth, who opens our eyes to see. So we need him. Mark 9, verse 14. When he had come to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him, and he said, What are you discussing with them? One of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you, and how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he was thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, we say today we believe. But help our unbelief. We want to grow in you. We want to grow in knowledge of you. We want to grow in uh, conforming to your word, and we want to grow in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Why this scripture today? A number of weeks ago, I was talking with someone, and he had pointed out a number of people who were uh, struggling and fighting with sickness. And uh, the next morning as I was praying, I said, God, why don't we see more of a breakthrough in healing? And immediately the, the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart and said, because of your unbelief. Now I'm going to respond to that in a second. Let me just aside. That your unbelief was personal. He was speaking to me. It wasn't a general condemnation. It was something personal. But there was no condemnation in it. Just the love of God. He was a good father answering my question. You need to understand that as we grow in him, 
there's no place for the enemy to bring condemnation of what we didn't know or didn't live in in the past. There is a moving forward as a loving father just answers our questions. And so that was where I was, that I, as I said that, and felt the Holy Spirit said, because of your unbelief. My immediately, immediate response was, I believe, help my unbelief. See, it's not that I have no faith, but obviously God was pointing out that there was a need for more. We're going to come back to that. But as I said that, something happened that's happened to me a few times in my life where God in, by his spirit, brings an understanding or revelation of where I am and what I've experienced in my life. Brings back to my remembrance. Not a revelation that is a new revelation about the Bible, but it's often an opening of my eyes to see myself. And God began to show me immediately some of the things that I had struggled with in the past. See, I came out of a evangelical church that was very academic. Uh, once I got filled with the Spirit, I was really excited that God was alive today and into the, uh, the wanting to see supernatural and got involved in the, much more of the faith movement. But after a number of years of seeing that, I became disillusioned because I found people whose focus was more on faith than on God. And their faith was in faith rather than their faith in God. The problem with that is when things didn't happen, there was an open door for condemnation to come. If you only had more faith, Matt, God would do something. But because of that, what happened is I subconsciously swung the pendulum to the other extreme. I believe God, but I had taken a position almost of fatalism. I believe God can heal someone, and he will if he wants to. None of you have ever thought this way. I'm just sharing with you my, what I went through. Almost like I want to get my focus on God, but I'm sure he can do whatever he desires. Now, that sounds almost arrogant, like he has my permission. God, I believe he can and he will if he wants to. I've realized that both of those extremes were not totally biblical. And so I've realized in that time of God speaking in my heart that I want a more biblical approach. More of what does the Bible actually say and not what I've heard other people say. Now in that process... That's where this comes here, because in that process, I began reading a whole lot in the Bible, and from that came a feeling of something of God's heart for a season for us as a church. Now, when I say that, 
I'm saying this, I know me, I tend to think very sequentially. That's how my brain works. God made me that way, it's his fault. But as a result, I tend to teach series. But in this one, I felt God say that this season would be not so much a recipe as a painting. Not so much a step-by-step series as a painting with just a little bit here and a little bit there. And, And in the end, hopefully it has a picture and we grow together in faith. I'm giving you that, uh, that heads up because if you're used to my series, you're gonna find this one kind of jumps all over the place. Uh, but the Holy Spirit's the, uh, the artist. So he's gonna put a little bit of paint here and a little bit of paint here and he'll create a, uh, a masterpiece at the end only because he's the artist. So I wanna enter a season of growing in faith. And so the introductions this morning, I'm gonna read you a lot of scriptures. I'm not gonna get too much in detail of them. I'll, I'll make a few points at the end, but it's the introduction to where we're gonna head over the next season. I don't know how long it'll be. Yeah, until the Holy Spirit says the the picture's finished. And we've grown in something. But let, let me be honest, my goal, my desire in this is that as we grow in faith, we see more and more of a releasing of the supernatural manifestations of the presence of a living God. Not academic belief. So when I say grow in faith, it's not a matter of let's just get more knowledge. So turn with me, Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read you a number of scriptures and then I'm going to make some comments. And so you might not follow all this initially, but I'll bring it together in a second. Matthew 13, 58. This is the story where Jesus was in Nazareth. And at the end it says, and now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And then chapter 17, from verse 19 and 20. Uh, And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Talking about another demon. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. So Jesus had said that to the father of the child and then he said it, uh, sorry, he said it to the disciples earlier, then he said it again, just in case they didn't get it. It wasn't the father of the child, it was the disciples. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Over in Mark chapter 5. Priyanka is doing a wonderful job with the overheads, and she's much quicker than I am. So you guys just have to be patient while I find it. Uh, Matthew 5.34 says, and he said to her, sorry, Mark 5.34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. 
in Mark 11 from 22. Sorry, I turned to Mark 12. I should just read from here, huh? (laughs) So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says or asks. Matthew 8. From verse 10, he says that Jesus heard it. He marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I said to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Verse 13, and Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. A few more. Mark chapter 16. From verse 15. And he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, and they will speak with tongues, and they will take up serpents and drink deadly thing, and will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Acts three sixteen. Yeah, I'm going. I'm doing a lot. Just hang with me if you can. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Romans chapter twelve and verse three. I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Two more. James 5 and verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And one more. Hebrews 3.12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Whole lot of scriptures there. I've just given you an overview of a lot of different things, but there's a number of categories if you read this, and you'll see that there's a whole lot of scriptures about faith. Greek word is pestis, and it literally means a conviction or a belief or trust or assurance in something. It literally means believing someone or something. Very simply, faith is I believe someone or something. It's not I believe that I believe. It's I believe someone or something. And then there's a whole number of scriptures that talk about unbelief. 
And in the Greek, the word is apestis, and it literally means against or anti-believing. Then there's a whole nother set of scriptures, six times in the New Testament, where it uses a word that is translated little faith. It's a whole different word. It's called uh, oligopestis, which means a little or undeveloped faith. It's a different word than apestis. It's, it's not unbelief. It's just little belief. It's undeveloped belief. Puny is another way of saying it if you're American. Puny faith. It's weak. It's not no faith. It's not unbelief. And then there's the other one that we read, great faith. That word great doesn't mean that it's powerful. It actually talks about quantity, so much faith. I've not seen so much faith before. There's a whole lot of things that have to do that. I want to just give you some thoughts, three conclusions as I've looked at that, and we're going to look at over the next season. And the first is this. My conclusion was faith is important. Duh. You guys already figured that one out, huh? But it actually is a vital ingredient in connecting with God or in partnering uh, with him. We can't become passive. There's something that says Faith is an essential, a vital ingredient. It's not the only one, but it's an vital ingredient in connecting with God and partnering with him. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Now, we've, you've heard a lot of teaching on that. It's actually not rocket science. It's very simple. How can you come to God if you don't believe he is? That's all it is. How can you partner with him if you don't believe that he's actually working with you? Very simple. Don't make it more than it is. It's a vital ingredient. So faith is important. Second thing that I concluded in this is that we have the ability to believe. Romans 12.3 says that each one's been dealt a measure of faith. We have the ability to believe. So when God spoke to me and said, because of your unbelief, it wasn't condemnation, it was just adjustment. It was adjustment, not a judgment. Adjusting, lovingly saying, hey, your focus is just in the wrong place. Let's begin to correct that. Problem is, if we have the ability to believe, we can also refuse to believe. There are people who just simply decide they're not going to believe no matter what they see or experience. We'll get to that in a second. 
But the third conclusion, which brings us to why this series is this. Our faith can grow and increase. There's a whole lot about little faith, great faith. The disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith. There's something about God's heart that as we get to know him, our confidence and assurance and trust in him becomes greater. I want to say that again. The more we know him and trust him, the greater our faith becomes. Because faith is in someone or something, it has an object, belief has an object. The more we know him, the more faith we have. It's not belief in belief. It's not my focus is on my faith. If only I could make more faith. No, my focus is on him. The more I get to know him, the more I see his trustworthiness the more I see his power and his ability and his love and his goodness, the more something rises up within me that says, I believe him. You still with me? So what that means is this. Faith is very much relational and not simply academic. Faith is very much relational. The more I know Tim and his character, the more confidence I have in him, the more I trust him, the more faith I have in him. The more I believe that when he says something, he'll do it. Sometimes. (laughs) Had to throw that in because he was. It's that when Jesus says, "Let, let your yes be yes and your no, no. We talked a few weeks ago about the fruit of the spirit and faithfulness. One of the aspects of faithfulness is it's a relational thing, but it simply means that you do what you say. And when we have faith in God, as we get to know him, our assurance, our confidence, our belief in him grows. It's very much a relational thing and not simply an academic thing. Why do I say that? Because too often we've been taught that if I just know more about the Bible, I'll have more faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it's not knowing the Bible, it's knowing the God who spoke the Bible. It's not how, much, how many scriptures can I quote that gives me faith. It's do I know the God who's spoken those things? So let me throw a couple of uh, hindrances to growing in faith. Okay, these are not all of them. I'm just giving you a brief overview of where we're going to go in the next season. But one is that some people just refuse to believe because they're afraid of the consequences. If God exists, then I'm going to have to acknowledge that and submit to him. And I don't want to. So I'm going to make all kinds of convoluted thinking to convince myself that I don't have to submit to God. I really don't think that there's many of you here in that situation or you wouldn't be here. But sometimes we have some questions. I love Mark 9. 
The father says, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus never condemns him. He heals the boy. Our honesty, God, I believe. But I have some questions. What about this? That's where I was. God, why are we not seeing more breakthrough and healing? And God very lovingly said, because of your unbelief. That's not a good thing to hear if you're a pastor. <laughs> we love you anyway. <laughs> but it wasn't with condemnation. It was, hey, I, it was almost as if God's saying, I'm glad you asked. I want to bring you into a place of greater faith. I'm looking to manifest myself in supernatural. And you're actually the roadblock at this point. personal but it might apply to some of us as well rather than refusing many of us I think that the hindrance to growing in faith is one of two things fatalism and pa- or passivity or both I think they're similar but they're not the same thing I coined a, f- a phrase I call it Christian fatalism. Christian fatalism is this. If God wants to do something, he can. I believe he can. And if he wants to, he will. What have I done there? I've taken myself totally out of the equation. Doesn't depend on my faith. Doesn't depend on my relationship. It's almost a fatalism. Hey, God's going to do whatever he wants to do. The old Doris Day philosophy. Whatever will be, will be. It's almost as if I'm saying, hey, God has my permission. As I said earlier. God can do whatever he wants. It's okay with me. None of you have ever thought this, have you? But it basically says, he doesn't need me. I believe he can. I believe. But help my unbelief. Passivity comes in when I think I can believe something without it changing my actions. I believe God still does the supernatural, but don't ask me to pray for somebody. Now, there's a subset of that, I think, which is I believe he can do it, but he just can't do it through me. I have confidence in God, but I have absolutely no faith in myself. Why? Because I think it's something that I have to add to the, the equation. God has power, but I have none. That's actually a good place to be. God has power, and we have none. I think the thing that stops us from growing is fatalism or a passivity that's tied into an academic thing. I want to grow in belief, 
knowledge in my head, but not in changing my actions. The Bible talks about that. It talks about hearers of the word and not doers. Hearers only. We hear the word, but we don't actually do it. You know what it says about that? It says don't be hearers and not doers because you're deceiving yourself. It actually is saying that if you think you're growing because you've got more knowledge, but it's not affecting how you act, you're actually deceived. That's pretty uh, heavy, isn't it? Oh, we got, Rusty got real heavy here. We're actually deceived if we think I can believe something and it doesn't affect how I act. The very concept of faith in the New Testament is that belief determines how I act. Nobody would actually uh, expect you to act different than what you believe. It's not even there. If you believe something, you just did it. We'll get to that part of the the painting (laughs) later on. What does it mean for us? I believe it means this, that in this I believe that God's plan is that as we grow in faith, as I said, we'll see more of the supernatural manifestations of God. Somehow we settle down to an anti-supernatural behavior even though we say we have a supernatural belief. The manifestations of the spirit. You know one of the manifestations of the spirit is faith? Doesn't mean I just also rise to a new level. It means that there is a time when the Holy Spirit comes upon me and my belief and my confidence and my assurance in him for a short period of time rises beyond what something I've ever experienced before. There is a manifestation of the spirit that is faith. Doesn't mean that I continue in that because the the manifestations of the spirit are uh, expressions of the grace of God for a period So I might have a word of knowledge. Doesn't mean I all of a sudden become more knowledgeable for the rest of my life. It means in that instance, God made me aware of something I didn't know because of what he wanted to do. A prophetic word. He speaks a word of prophecy or a word of wisdom. Doesn't mean I've suddenly become Joe Wise. Maybe a wise guy, but... But it doesn't mean all of a sudden I have this new level of wisdom that I continue in. No, for an instant, there was something of a supernatural understanding of how how God wanted to work in that situation. A manifestation of the spirit of wisdom. There's the same thing as a manifestation of faith. Healings. Miracles. What? How do we allow that to go by the wayside and say, okay, we're happy if someone brings a 
prophetic word once in a while. As wonderful as that is, I'm not demeaning that in any means, but I'm saying, what happened to all the rest of the manifestations? We need to grow in faith. I heard someone a few weeks ago say something that stuck with me, and they said, the greatest evangelism is when someone has a supernatural encounter with the living God. Let me say that again. The greatest evangelism is when someone has a supernatural encounter with the living God. Why does the devil want us to settle for something less than supernatural? Because it affects not only God's ability to speak into people, it affects people's eternity if they don't get saved. I'm getting serious now. I feel like in this, that it's God's desire that we grow together in faith. See, it went from me personally to us. And that in that, we create an atmosphere or an environment of increasing faith. In the love of God, like his desire is a people who will grow in their revelation of him and in their faith that they see supernatural, not just when we get together, but every day of the week. I'm convinced after weeks of looking at this that God's plan in reaching the world is the supernatural. I want to ask you something. Will you join me in this, in the season ahead? I'm part of a organization or a group of, of Ephesians 4 gifts, not an organization. And there's some guys in that group who have taught for years that if we build according to God's pattern, he'll pour out his glory. And there's something of that in the Bible, but the reality is that it's not the structure that releases God's glory. It's faith and a hunger for his presence. God responds to faith and hunger. There's churches that have been spending years trying to get the structure right, thinking that if we get the structure right, the glory of God will come. And God's looking for not a structure, but for a heart. I want to ask you, will you join me in that journey of growing in faith? Will you allow God to put not only a hunger, but a growth in faith? With that, I want to ask you, will you join us in praying? Johan announced that we have a prayer time for the church the first Wednesday of each month. We have a prayer time before every Sunday morning service. It's not just for the worship team, it's for anyone who wants to come. We meet at 9.20. I set you up, didn't I? I said you can't be hearers without doers. 
And then I just gave you something to do. Pray. If you can't join with us, will you pray? And say, God, I want to grow in faith, but I want to see an increase of the supernatural. We're going to pray. Provide time at the end of the service every week when we meet to pray for the sick. And we're going to keep praying because of the Bible. Not because of what we see. See, Johan mentioned it. Psalm 146, sorry, Isaiah 61 says, we put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many of you know that when you have, when you're feeling heavy and depressed, you don't feel like praising? Most of us approach it this way. Lord, change how I feel and I'll praise you. And God says, choose to praise me and I'll change how you feel. Now, apply that in a bigger sense. We say, God, let me see and then I'll believe. And God says, choose to believe. And then you'll see. Psalm 149 and verse 6 says, With the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand, you put those two together and there's something of our responding in faith to God's word and declaring his praises irregardless of how we feel that not only changes us, but changes the very atmosphere around us. It's equated with spiritual warfare. And too often we think, nah, 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 I don't want to do that. Yet here's Paul in prison, in shackles. And what's he doing? He's singing praises. I'm sure he felt like that. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand. We're going to finish with a song that I didn't tell the guys we're going to do, and they're going to pick one that we can finish in a moment. Uh, Go ahead, come up here, but wait. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you to do something that some of you might be uncomfortable with. Because I really feel like there's something of our responding to God's word that changes the atmosphere, but also throws off passivity. I'm going to ask you in a moment to spend 30 seconds out loud just declaring praises to Jesus. That's not difficult, is it? But some of you are finding it difficult already. See, we actually do that when we worship. But some of you think, well, I can't sing very well, so I'm not going to open my mouth. This isn't singing. This is just speaking. So unless you're mute and can't speak, you can do this. But there's something about just declaring. There's something about the high praises of God in our mouth that changes not only us, but the atmosphere. There's something about that I guarantee you that if you will do that now, will break the hold of passivity in your life. We're gonna take 30 seconds. No music yet, please, because I don't want people to feel like you have to be in tune. 